0: Hello and welcome to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast, the podcast for experts and innovators in agriculture. Today, Dr. Kilders and I are joined by three Christmas tree experts, Lenny Farley, Kyle Daniel, and Lucas Dole. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome. You are listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I am Valerie Kilders, an Assistant Professor in Agricultural Economics and your host for this week's episode. And joining me today is Courtney Rothke, who is a student in our Bachelor program, as well as a co-host of this podcast. Welcome, Courtney. How are you doing?
0: Good. Thank you. How are you
1: Pretty good. Definitely noticing that the temperatures have dropped this uh, over the last couple days.
0: Yeah, I know. It's kind of changing really fast, especially when we had that 60-degree day the other day, and now it's 18 degrees,
1: so. I would say the temperatures are definitely helping me get in the Christmas spirit.
0: Yeah, very exciting. And I know the last podcast we did was over Thanksgiving, so I'm excited to be talking about Christmas today.
1: Yes, we actually have three experts on Christmas trees as guests for our podcast this week. We have Lenny Farley, who is an extension forester at Purdue, as well as Kyle Daniel, who is a nursery and landscape specialist also at Purdue. And we have Lucas Dell, who is the co-owner of the Dell Christmas Tree Farm. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast.
2: Thank you. It's nice good to be here. Thank you very much.
1: Now... Each of you, maybe starting with Lenny, give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you are doing and how that relates to Christmas trees.
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is Lenny Farley, and I, as mentioned, I'm an extension forester with Purdue's Department of Forestry and Natural Resources. And to be honest, the Christmas trees are a little bit peripheral to the main things I do. I'm mainly involved in forest management but we also get involved in conservation and other types of tree plantings and of course to have christmas trees you've got to plant christmas trees so that's probably the main area that i can get plugged in with uh, the christmas trees
1: awesome thank you very much kyle how about you telling us next what you do
3: so
4: again, I'm Kyle Daniel. I primarily work with the nursery and the landscape industry here in Indiana. Over the past several years, I've gotten plugged in a little bit with some of the Christmas tree growers, primarily weed control is what I've been helping them with. Um, I actually had a, a trial, a, a weed control trial at Doll's Tree Farm last year and the year before they had a, a program with. The National Christmas Tree Growers Group that they hosted their forum that was really well attended. So that's how I primarily interact with the Christmas trees.
1: Thank you very much. Now, Lucas, you are last, but definitely not least.
2: Yeah. So I'm Lucas Dole, and alongside my parents and wife, we own and operate Dole's Tree Farm, which is just halfway between Purdue and Indianapolis. This is actually our 30th year of selling Christmas trees. So we've been around for a wow. while. We're a, we're a choose and cut farm with about 60 acres currently in Christmas tree production.
1: Thank you very much. This is a very impressive family business, 30 years. So anniversary this year.
2: It is, yeah. It's it's exciting to have seen all the changes and everything. And we've got a lot of customers that have been telling us this year, oh, I've been coming for fifteen years or twenty years and and it's just fun to hear all the traditions people have made over over those years.
1: Oh wow. I bet you have some people that came with their parents and now they're coming themselves.
2: It is yes. That is one of the really neat things to see is the the next generation. And I get to see that with with my own family. We have four kids now and get to share the tree farm with them. And and I can remember what it was like growing up on the tree farm myself. So, So yeah, it's really fun.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on today, everyone. We really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to hear some different perspectives with some different backgrounds and areas of expertise today. So kind of to start the ball rolling, Kyle and Lenny, can you tell us a little bit about your work at Purdue and how it's related to the Christmas tree industry?
3: Yeah, this is Lenny, and I'm happy to, to do that. A lot of my work is extension and therefore in education and engagement. And so we like to provide a lot of information to folks about how to select an Indiana-grown Christmas tree, what are some of the advantages of using live trees or live-cut trees for their Christmas tree. Environmentally, it's an excellent choice in that Christmas tree farms, while we're growing those Christmas trees, provide a lot of wildlife habitat, carbon sequestration in those trees, and then those areas are replanted once those Christmas trees are harvested. So it's really a great conservation story. And that's one of the things I talk about with landowners in that process of then making those choices of Christmas trees.
4: Yeah, so this is this town, the same as Lenny. I'm primarily an extension. So I work with, you know, businesses around the state. I also teach a couple of classes here at Purdue. And one of the classes that we teach is horticultural production of crops. And so in that class, we talk about lots of different things, whether it is ornamentals, conifers, vegetables, fruit, those types of things. And so whenever I get a lot of calls actually from some Christmas tree growers around the state about, you know, they're having a specific problem about a weed problem that they're having And so they, I'll try to help them that way. I usually will speak at at most of the conferences that they hold. There was actually a conference earlier this year. It was a a virtual conference that I spoke at. It had Christmas tree growers from from all over the United States. I think there were almost 300 people in, in that program, virtual programs. I was able to make a lot of connections that way too. And I've kept in contact with several of those folks.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Thank you so much. Now, Lucas, you mentioned your farm is located between Indianapolis and Lafayette. Can you tell us a little bit more about your farm?
2: Yeah. So my dad and mom started the farm when dad came back to join his dad in a traditional corn, soybean, wheat farm similar to what what several people did in the you know 80s and 90s and the Christmas trees was a, a side a side business for them but continued to grow and grow no pun intended to be a a primary source of revenue for our family and my wife and I have come back now we've been back in the business for nine years and we have since actually retired from the uh, traditional crop farming uh, to focus on Christmas trees and some other agritourism ventures along with that. But we are a choose and cut farm, like I said earlier, with the customer comes to the farm, gets to get the experience of going out, picking out their tree, cutting it down and and taking it home with them. So we say that we don't just sell the Christmas tree, we're selling the experience along with it.
1: Gotcha. Now, what does that mean? Courtney told me something about a dog day, for example, that you have.
2: Yes. So one of the weekends that we are open, we have a dog rescue club. It's a Newfoundland dog rescue club. It's a regional club that comes and the Newfoundland dog is a very large dog that is bred as a work dog. And they will pull trees for people up out of the field for wow. tips. They, it is the organization's main fundraiser now. And uh, so it's, it's really a win win. The organization gets to, to make some money to support their organization. And just by having the dogs out to the farm, it brings the people out to the farm because people just love dogs and it's really fun, really fun environment that's created that day.
0: You mentioned the you saw the experience and I can definitely vouch for that. Having grown up in the area and we always get our Christmas trees there. And I remember going down the big slide as a kid and doing the petting zoo and going in the shop and my mom would always buy wreaths and everything. So You guys have definitely left a really good impact in the community, and people know that you guys have that awesome experience of Christmas tree shopping.
2: Yeah, thank you. We love to hear those personal testimonies.
1: Now, Kyle, you said you were at a conference with Christmas tree growers, not only around the state, but also nationally. Can you tell us a little bit about generally where trees are grown both within Indiana and the United States?
4: Yeah, sure. So... Here in Indiana, most so it's the same way with nurseries. Most of the Christmas tree goers are kind of near population centers for more of the experience type thing. At for example, you know they're thirty minutes from Lafayette and thirty minutes, forty minutes from Indianapolis, and so they're able to pull folks from from both of those locations, and so more of the you know, retail, experience type things, you're going to have those in your soon. For more wholesale, the top three states for Christmas trees are actually Oregon, North Carolina, uh, and Michigan. And Northern Michigan, especially, that's where a lot of those are grown. North Carolina, they're pretty famous for Fraser furs. That's where a lot of those will come from. Here in Indiana, this is based on the National Ag Statistics survey from 2019. That's the most... The current one there were about seventeen hundred acres of cut Christmas trees in Indiana, supplied almost three million worth of revenue and sold about fifty seven thousand. So that's that's what we're looking like here.
1: That's very impressive, especially considering that the main sale season is comparatively short. So definitely big business for the month of December now lucas you mentioned before we started recording that your main selling is actually not in december but right before that can you tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah uh the the trend seems to be that people want to decorate early and earlier for christmas and so we opened the day after thanksgiving and that that weekend, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday following Thanksgiving, we will see about 60% of our sales happen in those three days. Then the the trend just continues kind of on a downward slope after that, which which usually we're thankful for after the busyness of of those days, but we, we generally will not sell trees ahead of Thanksgiving. Some farms will, but only about a week ahead because any earlier than that, and you're going to start, start pushing the the life of that cut Christmas tree, you know, making it to Christmas as a, as a very healthy tree. So it is a a very fast and furious season for us.
0: So you mentioned that you don't want to sell too early because, you know, the tree might not last all the way up until Christmas time then, but what are some good care or tips you have for people once they've cut that tree, they're taking it home, and what do they need to be doing at home to keep it looking its best up until Christmas? Yes.
2: Yeah, so the number one thing to keep your tree healthy and lasting a long time is to keep it watered. And there's there's a lot of different things out there that will tell you to put other stuff in that water for the tree. We believe that just Regular tap water is is all the tree really needs to stay nice and fresh. And uh, the other thing that you can do is make sure that you don't put that tree right in front of a south-facing window where it's getting that greenhouse effect of sun. That's exposing it to extra heat and drying conditions and, or put it on top of a heat vent in your house, for example, because that will also just speed up the time of drying that that tree experiences but thankfully for the most part the the trees that are grown now and dominate the Christmas tree market are generally species that last a very long time as a cut tree and uh, we we always get stories back from people that are leaving their tree up well into January and and are very happy with how well it lasts so that's good to hear.
0: Yeah that's awesome I'll have to make sure my mom stops mixing in salt with all the water that goes into the tree then. Yes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> With the longevity of, of the tree, you know, being such a big issue for a lot of folks, my family included, we keep ours up for like six months out of the year. Oh you know, wow. It's not really, but that's that's one of the really important reasons to buy local if you're buying it from, you know, a chain store, they usually contract out, you know, thousands and thousands of trees. And so to get that many trees to the store, they're going to have to cut them a lot earlier than if they were, they were grown locally. And then they sit outside and jow at those stores. And so if you're wanting to keep a tree for a significant amount of time, it's, it's a lot better to, to buy local.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Lenny, I know you are also an expert on issues with regards to some challenges that these trees are facing, for example, in terms of weeds that are attacking the Christmas trees. Now, is that something we have to worry about in Indiana or do we have locally here an advantage over other states? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, it's it's really a, a complicated issue. Like growing anything, you've really got to meet that tree's requirements. And one of the challenges is Indiana's native trees are primarily hardwoods. And so we don't have any native spruce or fir in the state, yes, yet fir is one of the most popular premium Christmas trees. So site selection, even sometimes uh, have re- having watering and fertilization available for those trees to grow them well, and then protection from competing weeds. If we've got really heavy weed growth, they can even kind of shade out the lower parts of the tree, suppress the growth. And you've got slower growing trees that aren't well formed or aren't filled out. So that growing environment during the period where between where the folks planted the trees and then they actually get them to harvestable size requires an enormous amount of care and attention. And I'm sure Lucas can can speak more to that, but it's important to recognize that this is really a pretty intensive growth environment where all the needs of the trees have to be attended to.
4: So you mentioned the weather. One of the things that That's been happening over the last several years now is that we've had lots of droughts and flooding. I heard uh, a comment just about 10 years ago and saying that the Midwest going forward is going to have more droughts, more flooding. And I said, how in the world does that happen? Well, we get all the rain up front in the spring. So we get a lot of flooding conditions. And then once it gets hot, then it's pretty dry for most of the summer. So. Most of the the conifers and the spruce, the burrs, especially, they can't tolerate really wet soil. That's not where they come from. When they also can tolerate, you know, extended periods of drought. And so this kind of double whammy that we're having every year. But, you know, I think Lucas can really attest to this. Over the last several years, there's been a lot of trees lost, a lot slower growth trees. And it's
2: primarily just due to the weather, rainfall especially. I can definitely attest to both of those points about the weather. The weather plays a huge role, and one of the big differences: most other crops are annual crops; they they are dependent on that one growing season, and and that's it for the life of that crop. For Christmas trees, we we are planting them on our farm and growing them for eight years before we deem them to be a marketable tree. And one severe drought or flooding year among those eight can really affect several years worth of of trees and that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time trying to educate our customers about for example this year is probably the first year that we've sold trees that were not affected by the 2012 drought most customers have long forgot about the 2012 drought but they affected our trees that we were selling in 2018 19 20 and 21 because of the loss or the stunt growth they experienced.
0: Well, wow, that's crazy. That's something that a lot of people wouldn't think about. Something that happened a decade ago is still impacting you guys. But Lucas, how has your family adjusted to those changing climate conditions or what are some practices you guys do to like combat that?
2: Yeah, so like, like Kyle and Lenny both mentioned, the trees are, are somewhat particular in, in what they need to grow well. And so we are we are constantly trying to do the best stewardship of our soils as we can. We are putting in tile in most of our locations that we're growing Christmas trees, because like was mentioned, trees cannot handle their roots being in, in submerged water for any extended period of time so we're trying to manage manage that water we also bought an irrigation system after 2012 but it's it's again it's very inefficient for us to try to get water on the trees so for the most part we we are only focused on maybe the new newest planted trees and the ones that are most vulnerable when we experience those extreme weather conditions and other than that there's there's really a limit to what we can do to control it and so we have to kind of take what happens and make the most of it and other than that educate the customer on on why our trees may be shorter this year or that year or we may have fewer or something and, and that's it
1: yeah i that's that's absolutely understandable i mean i i appreciate how much you're doing in terms of good practices there but as you said there's only so much you you can do in those types of situations. Now, I I wanted to come back to something that uh, was said at the beginning that actually Christmas trees are really good also for the environment as they are providing quite a few benefits to wildlife and to the environment, which I think is probably another reason why we shop local to really support our beautiful state. Now, could either or any of you maybe elaborate a little bit on that?
3: So this is Lenny. This is definitely an area I work in. So one of the issues related with, with climate change, is, of course, is, is carbon. And so anything that grows and produces particularly wood, which is 50% carbon, sequesters that carbon and locks it up for a period of time. Now, Christmas trees, like Lucas said, we're going to grow them in about eight years or so. And then they're going to be harvested and utilized in the home but they're also replanting trees in that same location to grow for the next rotation. And so we've got that constant cycle of carbon being sequestered on that site. And while those trees are out there, birds and other wildlife species can utilize that area for habitat. So it's providing those multiple benefits. And even after Christmas, once you're done with your Christmas tree, you can have it mulched and use it for mulch. You can take it somewhere and pile them up and create wildlife habitat to brush piles, or you can even put it in your backyard and hang bird feeders from it. So there's a variety of really beneficial, good recyclable, renewable, replaceable types of options when it comes to using live tip Christmas trees. So another thing
4: that that I've seen folks do to follow with Lenny is you put them in lakes and rivers, and then that increases the amount of habitat for fish, and so You know, that increases turret ecological effects, all that to be able to to reap those like it.
1: Interesting. So we have lakes in this area where they're submerging Christmas trees?
4: Yeah, that's usually the Department of Natural Resources, though sometimes collect those, is recycle it, and, and
2: we'll use them now.
0: So to kind of transition to a different direction, what are the most popular varieties that are grown in Indiana?
2: I can speak to the varieties that, that we grow on our farm, which I think is relatively a good example statewide, what tends to be grown here. Like was mentioned earlier, fir trees kind of dominate the Christmas tree market now, they, they just make really good cut trees are very fragrant, strong branches. A lot of the, they have a lot of the characteristics that people like in a Christmas tree. Unfortunately on our farm, we can't get Fraser fir to grow, which is maybe considered the national favorite uh, as far as Christmas tree species. But uh, we, we can grow Canaan fir that is kind of a cousin to the Fraser, and that grows very well for us. So on our farm, we grow between 80 and 85% of the trees, we grow are Fraser fir, or sorry, Canaan fir, but we do still grow some Scotch pine, white pine, and con color. Fir. But I think across the state, most of the growers that I know are are growing a similar a similar species as us. There are spots in the state that we can get Fraser fir to grow, so there are some farms producing those, but not near as many as are growing a Canaan fir or or those other fir varieties.
1: That. So I have to ask a follow-up question here because I'm not an expert on Christmas trees, clearly, which is why I, we wanted to talk you to you guys. Could you maybe explain to us what like the big differences are between these varieties?
2: Yeah, so one of the big differences that the consumer is looking at how the tree looks. So generally, for the most part, fir trees are a shorter needle tree than say a white pine or a scotch pine. Concolor do still have longer needles, but the, so the, the needle, the, the way the tree looks with the needles and, and the way the tree grows, a pine tree grows very different from a fir tree and a pine tree will set buds at the tips of the branch and grow from that point out. Whereas a fir tree actually has buds all along the, the sides of the branches as well. And so as it grows, it just gives it a different look but then the the other big differences are the fir trees tend to hold on to needles longer than the pines in terms of its growth cycle. So the the pine trees generally don't hang on to very many years worth of needles as, as they grow new needles on the outside of the tree. The old needles inside fall off the tree and that's what we shake the trees for at our farm to get rid of all those needles inside of it. A fir tree generally will hang on to a few more, a couple more years worth of needles than a pine does, which just again makes it maybe you look a little bit denser or fuller than, than the pine tree, which again may be one of the reasons that it's become more popular as a Christmas tree.
1: Does each one of you have a favorite variety?
3: This is Lenny. I would go with a fir every time. Just beautiful trees and they smell great. I
2: actually specifically like the concolor fir. It's also called a white fir, but the the unique thing about that tree is the fragrance is more of a citrus smell. And I've just always, I've always thought that's, that's kind of a neat feature for a tree that you expect to smell like a pine that have more of a citrus smell to it. And we've always had really good luck with the con colors lasting a long time for us in our house. So con color has been my favorite.
4: So we actually like the most difficult one, the Fraser Fir at our house, which actually is not even a true fur. It's also very difficult to grow. And so most folks in this part of, of Indiana aren't growing Fraser firs as Lucas mentioned, and so this year we actually went with Don fir. We're really happy with, with the way it, it looks. I've performed so far.
3: This is Lenny. We've actually got a really nice extension publication resource for folks that want to select a Christmas tree. And so it's called Selecting an Indiana Grown Christmas Tree. It's a forestry and natural resources extension pub, and it's got photos and write-ups on all the commonly available trees, including everything we've mentioned today.
1: Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out, Lenny. We will link that extension publication to the publication of this episode so people can look up and find the best resource for selecting their tree.
0: Thank you. To kind of wrap up, what are some kind of price differences? Like what's going to be your most expensive one and what might be a little more affordable tree? And I know the height has a lot to do with the cost as well. Lucas, you might be a good one to answer that question, but anyone can chime in too.
2: Yeah. So the way that we price our Christmas trees is based on height and also based on species. So our scotch and white pine trees are the more affordable ones. They are, they are priced lower than the fir trees. One of the main reasons for that is the pines are somewhat easier to grow in, in that they don't need as extensive of fertilization. They aren't as picky about their soil conditions and things like that. They do also have some trade-offs where the pines, especially scotch pines, seem subject to more other pests, disease or insect pests. But generally, the pines are going to be the more economical tree and the fir trees will will be the higher-end ones.
0: Very interesting. Thank you very much. Before we wrap up today, is there anything that the three of you would like to add or leave our listeners with?
3: And this is Lenny. We do have one more resource particularly useful for folks that have never used a live tree before, and that's called Tips for First-Time Buyers of Real Christmas Trees. And it provides a really nice outline of the care considerations that Lucas and Kyle also mentioned.
4: A resource the Indiana Christmas Tree Growers Association has a website and a lot of information on there as well. So that we were folks could find more information.
0: Well, Lenny, Kyle, and Lucas, I want to thank you guys so much for all the information you shared with us today. Now I know I can definitely go back and give some tips to my parents, and hopefully have more of a say in the Christmas tree buying decisions this year. Thank you again. You've all been listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. Have a great day and Merry Christmas.